What does it mean to run the damn ball? Man, I never really thought about that question. I'd say to run the damn ball is to just give it, give it your all. You know what I mean? The way, the way it just flows when you say run the damn ball is just like put everything aside, clear your mind, that mental block, and just go for it, man. listening to Run the Damn Ball. This is your host, Daniel Magnuson. I'm here with Sam Alessandro, both seniors here at the University of Nebraska. One more semester. Yeah, uh, red shirt year. Yeah, we got a red shirt year. So um, we're going to be talking about some Nebraska football transfer portal news. Also, just overall transfer portal news. Also, Nick Saban had a big rant over the weekend and uh, Jimbo Fisher was involved. We're going to talk about that. Just the future of college football is really uh, interesting with how conferences are making their uh, divisions going forward, and uh, that'll be something to watch for, but we'll get right into it right now. The Pac-12 recently has made a rule change to its conference championship uh, qualifications. Did you see that? I did see that. So, basically, if you win your division, it doesn't matter anymore. Like They're, they're yeah. going to keep the division scheduling. They may actually change that in the future. But uh, it's the top two teams now to go to the conference championship, which I think is ideal. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. Uh, I, I'm interested to see the other uh, leagues and see if they start to adapt that. Because, I mean, it's also it's no secret even here in Big Ten country. I mean, the Big Ten West is not looked at the same as the Big Ten East. Uh, you know, it's obviously very different. Uh just in terms of like conference powers, like most of them are in the Big Ten East, and so I'm interested to see if they maybe make a change too. Uh, but I mean, I think this is good for uh, the Pac-12. Uh, not the most uh, strong conference ever. I know we were just talking about this a few minutes ago, but you know the Pac-12 they need to find a way to get back to rebel- relevancy. I think they have a chance now with Lincoln Riley at the helm at USC. You know, if USC is good, the Pac-12 is usually pretty good. Uh, And, you know, also, like, something that I thought about that just popped in my head, you know, what happened to Stanford? Yeah, they have been completely irrelevant since Christian McCaffrey McCaffrey left. They were were really good when he was there. When they beat Iowa. (laughs) Yeah, that was pretty great. But, um... Yeah, Stanford, has, they've really fallen off. I mean, David Shaw, he did a, he had a couple good years there, but, I mean, they haven't even made it to a bowl in, like, a while. But they've had, they're still producing a lot of NFL talent, too, which is kind of bizarre to me. I mean, like, so does, like, Northwestern. Northwestern is, like, a little bit better version of Stanford recently. Yeah, recently, I would say. Like, a tough school like, to get into, but they play good football. But Stanford, like, they still, like, recruit pretty pretty well i i think a big issue with stanford i guess is like one it is a academically challenging school but also the offense they run oh, i was gonna say something is, differently is a little outdated and like it can work at times but i feel like you you have to have like a the right spe- pieces yeah the 
the perfect pieces in place, and they just haven't had that the last few years. That's probably true. I was gonna say this, dude. Their fan support is like non-existent. Yeah, that that is true. Besides, like the you know, a couple years they had with Andrew Luck and then Christian McCaffrey, where they were like a top ten team. Yeah, they have been just like who show like you look at their stadium, no one's there. Well, that, I don't blame yeah. them. That's the thing too. Like they, I, I guess I should have put that in perspective. They had some unbelievable players like Andrew Luck. Even Kevin Hogan was pretty good for them when he was at Stanford, uh, the quarterback. Uh, they had Toby Gearhart, uh, Christian McCaffrey. Rich, uh, Richard Sherman played there. Shane Scove, who played in yeah. the NFL as well as a linebacker, played there. Solomon Thomas was a top five pick. Yeah, they've had some good players come through. I mean, yeah, so, I mean, they're in California. They can kind of get some of these guys. But uh, I we didn't even plan on talking about Stanford. But, yeah, no, they, they no, are one yeah. of the teams. I mean, besides Washington in 2016, um, Oregon had their, you know, they've been holding it down in the Pac-12 because USC dropped off after Pete Carroll. And then yeah. Oregon held it down for like a decade or more, really, for, for a lot of years. Um, but I mean, Utah is respectable now. They almost beat yeah. Ohio State last year. Yeah, Utah is probably the most consistent program, I would say, in the last 20 years. Because they've had, you know, just one coach, Kyle Whitten- Whittingham, who I think is really good. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's just kind of crazy to me just how quickly those Stanford has fallen off. Because... It feels like just like five years ago, like they were very relevant in college football, and now, you know, we we really haven't said anything about. Them because I haven't like, watched them play in like years. Well, also because you have like Pac-12 After Dark, and Love not it. really people, not many people, unless like you're a diehard college football guy, like you're not watching, you know, Washington State versus no. Stanford on a Saturday night. You're probably going out to the bars. Exactly, especially on the West Coast, too. A lot of them probably don't even care that much. No. So, but yeah, I mean, Mountain West Conference, which I think is, like, almost as good as the Pac-12 at football. If you yeah. if you look at their record against each other, like, Hawaii, Boise State, Wyoming, these teams can beat Pac-12 teams, like, more often than you'd think. Yeah. But um, they also announced, starting in 2023, they're going to get rid of divisions as well. Now, I think, if I were to guess, I think they're keeping division scheduling. It's just that... Like Nicole Auerbach, she reported that the Pac or the Pac twelve was getting rid of divisions. It's like that's not true. Like they're getting rid of division champions going to the Pac twelve uh, championship. So um, anyway, but you know that's enough with that. I mean, long term though, that is you know, something to watch because okay, was Iowa a top two team in the Big Ten last year? No, no. Okay, they had no business playing Michigan in the Big Ten championship. No, they got they got drubbed forty two to three. Could you imagine, though, if we did have that rule, we would have seen Michigan-Ohio State Part 2, like, play two times in two weeks. Good. Like, honestly, good. Because uh, it would have been a better game for Ohio State because they actually would have been able to throw the ball in a dome. Okay. Quick, quick thing. Do you think it would be better? Because I think it would be. If football – I think you know where I'm going with this. If, like, these postseason games – like the Big Ten championship or any conference championship, or especially the playoffs, if they were in like the North somewhere, like cold, like not in a dome. Because, like, for me, one of the best football games of the year last year was Ohio State Michigan. Because, like, the weather played a factor, I think, and Ohio State wasn't ready for that. And it, it also, I mean, that's also one of the best football games of the year, usually, because it's a great rivalry. And Michigan finally pulled 
pulled off a win over Ohio State. Okay, this has been an argument for years because people would say back in the 80s and 90s, like, oh, what if Miami had to come up to Nebraska and play in December, right? Yeah. How different those games would have been. Like, Nebraska would have won, like, every one, right? Yeah. Just, like, style of play, too. Like, you have to run the ball in the cold. So, um, but I think two things are a factor. One, when you're a fan from, like, Wisconsin or Ohio – you want to go and watch your team play in a warm state in January. Yeah, that's true. Because that's you want to true. make the trip and you want to enjoy like Florida or whatever while you can, that's very so true. you can escape <laughs> uh, three months of cloudy and cold in Ohio, right? So, and I mean Nebraska isn't as like cold as Ohio, but you know it's the same kind of thing here. And so, and then you know you want attendance at the game. Like you think Alabama fans want to travel up to like. Uh, I don't know where, like New York City or Chicago. Alabama doesn't play anywhere except for the South. That's, that's Yeah, they don't. Unless it's like a rare Big Ten game, like crossover, like a Penn State. They yeah, did. but that's not like Cowboys Stadium. That's not like... No, I'm talking about like... Oh, yeah, no, you're right. They only play neutral sites. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the last last time they went north of like the Mason-Dixon line was like 2011 when they played Penn State. That's crazy. Like, they don't leave the South. It's crazy. A lot of teams don't. Like, so, uh, yeah, we need more... That's why I say drop, drop a, a conference game. I mean, this isn't gonna happen in the SEC because they're about to go sixteen teams. But yeah. Big Ten, drop a conference game, pick up a non-con, just because I feel like it brings more like diversity of the sport. Yep. Like teams will, I don't know. It just it's just better. I'd rather Nebraska had more opportunities to play like a Pac-12 team or an ACC team or even a Big Twelve team. Yeah. You know, instead of I don't know, like Georgia Southern. I don't care. I don't care about playing Georgia Southern this year. I don't care about the game. Yeah. Like, hey, obviously, I, I, I'm going to be at the game, like, Nebraska, yeah. <laughs> but, like, I don't care about playing them ever. I never want to play them ever again. Hey, I don't uh, care. At least Nebraska's not playing them in, you know, the middle of November. Yeah, that would be pretty boring. <laughs> um, like, so, like some teams do. Yeah, that, yeah. like, the, literally Auburn and Alabama play in FCS school before they play each other every year. Alabama, I, I know for, like, two or three years straight, I'm pretty sure they would play, like, Tennessee, Chattanooga. Uh, the week before LSU, or or they would have a bye, and like I don't know, I I just think that is the the dumbest thing ever. But you know when you have the power, and we're we're going to talk about yeah. this in a few minutes. But when you have the power, I mean you're gonna you're gonna use that to your advantage. And so, but yeah, that that's just a question that I had because, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I always like watching those games in the snow and whatnot. And I feel like that that environment, though, that that was just very special. I think that, that oh, it was great. That was one of the better games. I don't know what I was doing that day, but I didn't end up watching a whole lot of that game. I didn't watch the whole game because I was actually working a a broadcast. I think I was doing stuff with my family or something. I don't remember what it was. Because over, I've never been to a Nebraska Iowa game. Because I'm really? always I always go home for Thanksgiving. Oh, okay. And so, so yeah, it was that weekend, obviously, because I was working the oh, Iowa game. I was working the Iowa game the day before. Okay, that that makes sense. I I was in Florida that week with my family. Oh, nice. actually, for Thanksgiving this past year, I went to go see my sister, nice. who lives in Florida. But um, well, I saw Nebraska fans to finish off. You know the conference, you know championship rules, because the NCAA actually dropped the division champ going to the automatically going to the championship game. Right. So that's why, you know, the Pac-12 did this. Okay. But the Big Ten, so if they were to follow suit, people were saying how this would hurt the Big Ten West, which, you know, obviously it would. Oh, yeah. And people were like, oh, this hurts Nebraska. I'm like, okay, but does it really? Like, have we even been there? 
Uh, like, one time Nebraska was there, the only highlight from the game is the Martinez run and the Kenny Bell block. And, and then the, Wisconsin the running for like 800 yards. Yeah. So, yeah. But uh, and then the score, what was it, like 70 to 34? Something yeah, like that. something like that. But, uh, like, okay, did Iowa deserve to go last year? No. Did Northwestern ever deserve to play in the Big Ten Championship game? Okay, maybe in 2020 because their defense is really good. But no, they weren't that great. <laughs> Northwestern has a peak. Iowa has a peak. Nebraska hasn't really shown any peak in the last decade. Big 12 Nebraska would have been a Big Ten champ type team. Yeah, probably. Like late Big 12 Nebraska. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we're trying to get back to that. I don't know if Frost is going to work out. We were talking about before before the podcast, but we don't, <laughs> we don't have to go there. But, like... I want to be in the Big Ten Championship if I deserve to be in the Big Ten Championship. Yeah. If if we're a sorry team that's going to get beat 70-31, to 31, I don't want to be in the Big Ten Championship. Yeah. I don't want to be there. So, you know, I think I think the Big Ten West should feel the same. You want to be there if you deserve to be there. Wisconsin had a couple of good years with Jonathan Taylor where, like, they deserve to be there. Oh, yeah. They were good. Like, they, they, were, they had 11, 12 win seasons. And so, besides that, the Big Ten West has not been that impressive. So, honestly, if you're Northwestern, say goodbye to ever being in a Big Ten championship game ever again. <laughs> you're, ne- you're never going to make it back. Go 8-4 and four and win the West. You won't make it. So, um, I actually felt like ranting about Northwestern. Why? What would they ever do? Because, okay, think, think about it. Fitzgerald's a good, really good coach, okay? Because he maximizes what he has every year. He maximized what he had last year and went three and nine. Yeah. <laughs> we minimized what we had last year. Actually, I don't know if I would say that. We minimized ourselves on offense last year and went three and nine, basically. Yeah. And our one conference win the last time we saw Nebraska win was against Northwestern. Yeah. That's so long ago. But anyway, I <laughs> just wanted like to a, say that feels like ten years ago, honestly. I respect Northwestern, but also like you hate them. <laughs> They're just boring to me. They're just really boring to me. Yeah, I, I feel like that's you and just about every other Husker fan. Like, you can't help but respect Pat Fitzgerald for like, what he's done with that program. But at the same time, it's like, oh my god, we're playing Northwestern this week. Great. <laughs> yeah. They're usually close games, though. They, but- they usually are, and it's infuriating because... There are a few years where it should not be close at all. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, w- one of the worst uh, games I remember was, was it 2011, their first year in the Big Ten when they lost to uh, Northwestern? That was the classic, had, uh, yeah. That was Coulter at quarterback. That was the classic, like, Bo Pelini has a better team, but this is the one game yeah. where his team is just going to, like, play terrible and lose. Yep. So, yeah, that was that's what that game was. But... You know, I mentioned, uh, we mentioned this before we started talking today on the podcast, but uh, yesterday I came after Husk Guys, one of the, like, one of the main, like, Nebraska fan Twitters. So he tweeted yesterday that uh, Nebraska football had the worst record in the Big Ten this year. And then he also, like, finished the tweet off talking about how we were, like, the worst in the Big Ten in baseball and basketball. Yeah. And I, I just responded, like, actually, Northwestern and Indiana were worse in football record-wise, because they were. Yeah, they and, were. And then and then I added like this is one of the reasons why I don't follow Husk guys because he just <laughs> he just tweets like all he does like or maybe it's she I don't know but all this account does is uh, basically it's all just clickbait like they yeah. want attention so what like 
what thing can they say that's just going to get attention? Like, if Nebraska loses, let's say something that gets attention. If we win, let's, like, say something that, like, makes everyone excited. And it's just all just for, like, it's all emotion-driven, and it's just annoying, and I can't stand it. Honestly, him and Juan can't stand him. So, Daniel, that, those two accounts specifically are two of the main accounts that we have talked about this a lot. Like, almost every time I've been on the pod, they are one of the main contributors in always bringing up – I guarantee you they are going to bring up former players who used to play in Nebraska and are performing well. Like, they always do that. They were tweeting about Wandale all of last year. Like, I guarantee you they're going to tweet about Adrian this uh, oh, yeah. this fall. And it's like, dude, just cl- close the yearbook. Like, it's over. It's done, you know. Yeah, they're, they're pretty annoying. I, I mean, we don't have to talk about it that much. There's other fans that are like them, but – I mean, they have big followings because I think they do probably – I mean, they do – They're very active. They're very active and they're probably very knowledgeable at the same they're time. They're engaging it's, with fans. Yeah, which is which is great. It's just like, dude, you have to realize you actually have a pretty big platform. Don't be like – Yeah. Don't just like play with these dumb Husker fans right now. Anyway, yeah. that's how I feel about it. And, and he was like – Husker then followed me after I did that and was like, <laughs> how can I uh, – Get a follow back, and I was just like, okay, stop. I sent the Amir Abdullah like, like doing <laughs> this because I was like, I'm not dealing with this right now. Yeah. But uh, yeah. But speaking of rants, there was a rant this past week between two coaches. Yes, there was. So like, what Made went down? Moves. Nick Saban like was talking on some podium and then ranted about nil. Like, okay, so what all was said? So basically, here's what happened. I think was this Wednesday or Thursday? I think this was. I think he spoke on Wednesday. Yeah, it was Wednesday night. Saban was at, like, some event with a bunch of boosters and, you know, Alabama fans and whatnot. And, you know, I think it started off friendly. You know, Saban's just talking about him, you know, how college football is changing, you know, whether it's that's for the, you know, for the better or for the worse. And he, you know, I think he's just really he he does care a lot about the sport i think that it's pretty evident he's been very vocal in the past few months about just the current landscape of college football with the portal and nil and whatnot and i think he's he was just frustrated that you know schools like texas a&m and he even brought Deion sanders with jackson state are getting players that he would like and that bothered him, and he's with boosters who have money and can contribute on NIL, and Saban was basically blaming NIL for the reason why he didn't get some of these players, and he decided to start taking shots. Now, the Jackson State one, I I definitely understand why Dion was mad about that, but he he didn't get very personal with that, I felt like the Jimbo Fisher stuff with A&M, that felt personal to me. Like, he was attacking that program. He was attacking Jimbo. And, you know, I I don't know. Like, it just seemed, like, so, like, out of touch, I guess. Because it was, like, I mean, for I I tweeted this, by the way, and you saw it. Like, you, you literally had the number two recruiting class first off. Like, it's not like you had, like, the 16th best recruiting class. You had the second best class. Literally. Like, stop being a baby. And also, like, A&M didn't break any rules. 
Yeah, they literally do what everyone else does, and Bama has been doing probably before NIL. Like, oh, you mean when uh, Alabama, you know, like Tua? You tell me, Tua uh, Tonga Vailoa and his family—they all like magically moved to Alabama from Hawaii. His family moved all the way up to Alabama. I wonder who paid for that. What NIL wasn't going on back then. I've actually never thought about that, but that's true. That's funny. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, th- this is what I saw. Watching him on stage, and then there's those two guys. This is Saban talking, right? There's yeah. two guys who are like kind of like leaning towards him, like literally like intently listening to what he's saying. Yeah. And it's like, dude, he seems like okay. He's like a controlling father. Like he he's a he's a control freak, and like his kid is the sport of college football. Just, like, think about, like, conceptually. Uh, his kid is a sport of college football, but, like, college football is growing in a different direction that's, like, beyond his control. Yeah. Right? So now players are able to have, like, like a bigger name than a lot of coaches. Like, dude, Caleb Williams could potentially have a bigger name than his head coach if he has, like, a huge oh, year. yeah. Right? And as a player, like, that's that's huge, right? That's, yeah. that's big. I mean, that's what we saw in pro sports, like, 50 years ago. Yeah. Okay. And so, um, maybe what was it? Yeah, it was about 50 years ago, probably. Yeah. But it's it's really cool. And so it's like all this stuff is regressing in a different direction than Saban wanted to. Like, mm-hmm. he basically has been playing NCAA football dynasty mode for the last 10, <laughs> 15 years. And then, like, the game somehow, like, is changing into something else. And he's not happy about it. Yeah. That's literally what's happening. That's exactly what's happening right now. Well, and, like, Basically, what NIL is doing is it's kind of leveling out the playing field, basically. And he doesn't like that. And, I mean, he's not alone in this. A a lot of coaches have been critical of NIL and the portal in the last few uh, months. I know Dabo Sweeney has been very vocal about that stuff, too. And, uh, you know, these college coaches, they're all kind of, you know, control freaks in a a way. Like that—that's just I think the nature of college football. It's not like the NFL where it's mainly the owners that are in control. Uh, you know, on a college football campus, like if you're a, a D1 program, you're the head coach. You are basically running that entire school. You like you're the king of the school. That's why it was shocking to me when Urban Meyer went to the NFL because it was like. Dude, like, that's such a big adjustment because you went from being the king of every campus you went to, like, you're basically a god in in Ohio. Like, why would you go move up to the NFL? But anyway, like, Nick Saban, I I just don't know why he went after him, after A&M like that, because, again, they, they weren't doing anything illegal. Besides they beat him last year. That's why yeah, he's threatened. That, that too. That's why he's threatened because AM beat well, them last year. They continue to recruit well, and I mean, they are. It's happening very slowly, but they are getting better and better and better every year. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, he was threatened by FCS Jackson. Uh, yeah, Jackson State. Like, dude, for getting one five. For star. getting one, like their best recruit ever. Like. That's like Coach K throwing a fit that Bryce McGowan's went to Nebraska. <laughs> yeah. That's essentially what it is. Like. Yeah, basically. What are you going to do? You know? And so Nick Saban said some, he said some things that I like kind of understood, but he started off the whole rant with this. Now, 
Players have always been allowed to work. Are you kidding me? You think your scholarship players actually, like, have time to, like, put in a good, like, time to, like, work? Like, 20 hours? No, they don't have time to work 15 hours a week. They don't, even have, they don't have time to work hardly yeah, at all. They barely have time to make it to class and do their homework. It, the life of a student athlete is just different. Dude, if you're a scholarship student athlete for, like, most sports, you are, like, think, think about football. The most time-consuming sport. Winter conditioning, spring football, yeah. uh, summer conditioning. You get, like, little breaks in between, but, like, yeah. you're always doing something. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, your summer is, like, two months in, August rolls around, fall camp. All the way, You play football all the way to January if you're good. Yeah. Right? It's like, and then there's no breaks. There's, there's almost no breaks for these guys. And for him to start it off with players have always been able to work, that is just, like, stupid. Like Nick Saban, you know that you, this is like bullshit. If they were, if if they, I I guarantee you, like, if they could work, they probably would. Like, I I don't know why he's why he said that. Like, it, it's just disappointing because I do think very highly of Saban. I think he's probably the best coach of all time in college football, and I just think he's he's better than that. He's smarter than that. Uh, but you know, he's also, I think a big reason why he went on that rant is like, Hey, Bama boosters, I'm going to need you to pay up a little bit more now because these A&M boosters, they got money. I I can't be losing recruits to them every single year. I kind of agree with you. He, he did make a statement though, that was interesting because he said, and I I did agree with this. He was like, basically what's going to happen is, um, a booster or someone else is going to pay for a player to come to my school and then that player's not going to play and he's going to transfer and the booster's going to say, what the heck, I just, like, wasted money, essentially. Which is, like, a fair point. Yeah, but, I mean, I think usually... I, I don't know how NIL entirely works, but I think usually if you make those deals, like, there's, like, a certain contract Yeah. that, like... You have to like meet. I I, I think I, I don't know. I don't know how it works, but I, I would assume like there's no way. I I don't think at least like there's unless like you're like a Bryce Young or a Caleb Williams. There's no way that these players are getting like guaranteed NIL deals. If that makes mm-hmm. sense, like you know like two or three year deals or something like that. Like I I feel like those boosters are able to back out usually pretty easily. But also, like, the fact that Nick Saban was complaining about that, Nick Saban was one of the first coaches to flex on everyone <laughs> when NIL went out, uh, came out. He was like, oh, you know, NIL's been, you know, around for like a month, and uh, my quarterback, Bryce Young, has even stepped on the field, and he's made a million dollars. Like, oh, Nick, I, I don't think that's true. Like, he probably has now, now that he's won a Heisman and been to a national title, but... I mean, you can't say that he's already made a million dollars when it's just like deals that like are periodic like payments, right? It's also, it's kind of a bold strategy for Saban to go after like this because like what what will recruits think of that? You know. Mm-hmm. But also hard to argue. What 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 does he have now? Seven titles. I don't even know. Another thing he flexed like in the in the interview last week. He said. Uh, NFL players from Alabama 
since 2010 have made 1.7 billion dollars and i was like nick chill okay like we get you like produce like great nfl talent like that's not like a part of the like discussion here though like you didn't have to say that at all but um so this is the statement he made that like set off jimbo fish or yeah jimbo fisher so he said a&m bought every player on their team like that was like the big thing he said that like was the shot at a&m yeah and so like what did like how did how did fisher respond to that how did fisher respond uh what what was the word he kept on saying? He said oh, despicable. Uh, despicable. Like... He's like that's despicable. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, first off, I don't think A and M bought every single player. He probably like they they probably did pay a lot of the players. Like there, I don't think there's no denying that. Especially in that recruiting class, they had eight five stars, which is pretty, which is insane. But uh, like. Let's not sit here and act like, you know, Alabama didn't, you know, pay yeah. most of their recruits, too. Like, there's no way they did not. And so, you know, I, I don't blame Fisher for reacting the, as strongly as he did. I thought that, again, it was, it's a low blow. Like, why why do you have to, like, make these personal attacks on Fisher and the A&M program when, all they did was follow the rules. And, like, even if they did buy every player, so? They did it outside of the university, yeah, so. So, it's off of their name, image, and likeness. They can do that. And it's not like you aren't doing the same exact thing. Like, I, I think this also just gives you just a glimpse at how nasty, I think, recruiting can be sometimes like if this is going out publicly just imagine what these coaches are saying behind closed doors i mean we heard like jimbo fisher just came after him called him a narcissist yes and also said um he said it's despicable like he said despicable very much (laughs) uh but he said just go ask what kind of person he is from anyone who's worked for him yeah and that's kind of like I mean, we don't know a whole lot about Saban, like, behind closed doors, but that kind of, like, says a lot. Like, he basically thinks Saban's a bad guy now. Well, he used to coach with Saban. Yeah. Remember? Like, he was an assistant back when Saban was at LSU. And so, but, like, they've, and they've talked, like, you know, smack in the last few years, especially since Fisher's been at A&M, you know, but I kind of always thought it was, oh, you know, kind of friendly banter. Uh, but every once in a while, you know, I don't know, like, I, I think Saban really woke up a monster because Fisher, he woke up on, was that Thursday? And uh, he, he first off, he scheduled a press conference and he chose violence in that uh, press conference. That's... It was hilarious and amazing. I gained so much respect for A&M and the, and the program that Jimbo Fisher has built, I've gained so much respect for them that day because, again, it's it's just it's BS. It, I I don't know why, I, I don't know why you go after that. Like just just why? Like you could even like you could do like a subtle shot. Like but like to actually name A and M like that, that's just wrong. And the fact that Saban tried calling Jimbo. Oh my gosh, that happy day! And Jimbo was like, "No, we we are done. 
Like, that was like... He didn't even answer the phone. Yeah, that was the nail in the coffin to me where I'm like, okay, yeah, this... I cannot wait for when they play this year. It is going to be amazing. I will say, I have been an A&M hater for, like, my whole life. I'm from Texas, and you know this. Yeah. So, I've always been an A&M hater because they're one of the bigger schools in Texas, and their fans... Their, their school is really like a cult in a way. But actually, over time, I've kind of gained respect for like their intense fandom for their school because I think we kind of replicate that here in Nebraska. We're not as insane, but we're kind of close. Um, but now with Jimbo kind of being the enemy of Nick Saban, I actually kind of like A&M now. Oh, I'm yeah. not going to lie. Like, and I'm going to probably send this to my A&M friends because yeah. like, straight up like with Jimbo like coming after Saban, yeah. I love it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, might as well, uh, you know, attack God. That, that's what that was the other thing. Uh, he uh, he compared him to to God. I think it's because he was saying it as like a God complex. Yeah, yeah. He's like he's like he think he he thinks he's like a God or something like that. Mm-hmm. Which it's crazy, but yeah, no. I I've always kind of respected A and M. I've always wanted to go to Kyle Field. That's one of my bucket list uh, stadiums I want to go to. Dude. And as someone, I actually talked about this with you yesterday, but as someone who has gone to College World Series my whole life, because I grew up in Omaha, uh, A&M baseball fans are awesome. They're some of my favorite. LSU is still probably the best in terms of uh, baseball fans that come uh, to Omaha. But Aggie fans, they are awesome. I, I've al- I've always had kind of a soft spot for A and M. Yeah, and, and like Johnny Manziel, like that era was just fun to me. But I'm sure, like you, like growing up and being around them, I I could totally see that. So two things about A and M. I went to the Nebraska A and M game in, in 2010, where the refs just like totally oh, rigged the game. Yeah. We didn't play well, but the refs like it was like 20 penalties to like two. I will. And tell it was you. it was ridiculous. The AM fans were pretty dang annoying that game, and the seats were so tiny. They have renovated their stadium, so it's yeah. probably better to go to a game uh, now. But going in 2010 was terrible. I will tell you, so we actually, I remember that game because we had a big party for that game. And I have never heard so many swear words at TV, uh, like, watching a football game in my life. Like, it was so bad, like, because like you said, there there were some questionable calls, to say the least, like, especially the uh, roughing the passer call, which one of the worst penalties I think I've ever seen. Uh, there was a play where the defensive it was a lineman cheap, a cheap shot on Cotton. Yeah, right? the defensive lineman literally was digging his hand into Cotton's like balls, yeah. like, and then Cotton like kicked him. Yeah. And then they threw a flag on us. And it was like, okay, this is literally you guys just trying to cheap shot Nebraska before yeah. they leave the Big 12. Little did they know A&M would do the same thing the next literally year. Literally the very next year. Yeah, and so it's like, dude, you just – the Big 12 has been a mess, man. But also, like, that was the game where Martinez got benched and got screamed at by Bo. Which he deserved because he called his dad at halftime. Yeah. But Yeah, we that, – that, there's like <laughs> – There's whole, so much drama. podcast you could do about that. That game, because that game was nuts. Ryan Tannehill was the quarterback that game. That was his first year as a starting QB. He's, yeah, and he, he was showed, a receiver before that. Yeah, he's pretty good. Um, 
Two things about AM that I have a problem with, like, and I don't think they're ever going to change them, is that they claim that they won the 97 Big 12 title and the 2010 Big 12 title. They like they literally oh, wow. have those in their stadium. I, I didn't know that. Ninety seven, we beat them fifty four to ten. I didn't. I did. I had no idea that. And in twenty ten, they didn't even play in the Big Twelve championship, yeah. and they have those. They have those years on their stadium. That's weird. Isn't that whack? That, on that top of that, weird. they don't want to play Texas now that Texas has joined the SEC, which they backdoor did that and didn't tell A and M, which is hilarious. Now that Texas is joining the SEC, A yeah. and M doesn't want to be in the same uh, division as them. Because they're gonna do four divisions probably. A okay. and doesn't want to be in the same like pod as uh, Texas because they don't want to play them every year. Dude, you had one of the best rivalries in college football. Go prove you're the best team in Texas by beating the worst team in Texas. Yeah. Texas, no, nah, they're not the worst team. But like, still, come on, like Kansas can beat them. Why are you scared? Like, it just makes me bad. Other than that, I, I do like Jimbo, but yeah. 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 It. it you know, it, it's the off season, but it was not a dull. A, a dull week for college football news. No, that, that's for sure. Like <laughs> social media was great the last few days. Uh, if you follow a lot of college football Twitter, which I know we both do, like the memes that came out of it and just Jimbo's react. Jimbo is a very, you know, opinionated coach, and uh, I think a, a very emotional uh, guy sometimes. And so I knew when I saw Saban said that, I'm like. Oh, I cannot wait to see what Jimbo says because, you know, it's it's gonna be good. And he, let me tell you, he did not disappoint. Okay, I just looked up where Jimbo's from. I think this is really interesting. Jimbo is from uh, West Virginia. Really, I did not. Which know is the that. same state that Nick Saban's from. Okay, I, I did not know that. So they they probably were good friends for a while, and now that they're like rivals, they are not friends. They are now. not friends anymore. <laughs> they're probably going through so they probably have some like interesting they friendship. Need to go through like a uh, couples therapy. <laughs> SEC West uh, yeah. edition, <laughs> yeah. But oh, I mean, before yeah. we move on, I think it's hilarious that you bet you mentioned this. He literally scheduled a press conference in the late May. Like, no college football coaches are doing anything with the media right now. No. Like, this is offseason. No, he literally Jimbo was like, not care. He's he was like, like, I'm doing a press conference and I'm coming after Nick Saban right now. Yeah, you, and the AM is like, AM's <laughs> like, right this way. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, with the contract Jimbo has, yeah, that dude is, he runs the university down there, basically. Frost would never do that. You know what is going to be even funnier? Because you know it's going to happen because he knows both of those coaches. And he's already kind of done it. Lane Kiffin is just going to poke the bear between those two. Like, he's just going to – he's probably going to be that guy that's just – he's just the instigator, you know, that that's just trying to get both of them to, you know, talk crap about the other. And it, it's just – it's gonna be funny. I, I cannot wait. When when is that game? October eighth, I think I saw. Let me look real quick. As Sam's looking for the answer to this question, we have a quick ad for Reactor Coffee. They fuel the run, uh, run the damn ball podcast. Megan Castor and everyone at Reactor do a great job creating a homey environment. Study and get work done. Go check Reactor Coffee out on social media and go get some coffee and waffles at two one two four Y Street, Lincoln, Nebraska. Yeah. Um, did you find it? So it is October 8th. Sweet. I cannot wait for that. I'm going to look real quick how much the tickets are. High. Because I guarantee you, yeah, it's it's probably gone way up. All right. 
Oh, so they're playing at Alabama. That's right, because they uh, they won at Kyle Field last year, which that was another great game. That was a top ten game last because year because that they won on that game winning field goal, and that's where they had that really cool viral uh, moment of the kicker. I think he was like a walk on or something like that. He uh, hit the game winning field goal to beat Bama, and they had uh, cameras on like his family and his uh, girlfriend. And I don't know, I thought that I just thought that was really cool. You just cut, you just started another rant. You another just started rant? another rant. That video is so annoying. That is the really? most okay, look, it's cool. It's cool to show the family. I enjoyed seeing the family because that was cool. Yeah. Like and like the kick, he barely made it too. Like he literally oh, yeah, made he it did, by like he, this. He, he barely made <laughs> he it. He almost like choked that kick. Oh yeah. And it was cool to see his family, but like the number of stupid TikToks I've seen where it's, like, some dramatic music and then it's his girlfriend who's like, come on, babe! Come on, 47! And I'm just like, shut up! Please miss this kick. I want to see, like, her get mad. I, mean, I think that would be... I'm kind of toxic like that. I think that'd be funny. But she just was really annoying. And then she, like, ran on the field. I was like, I can't stand this A&M crap right now. So just for <laughs> one ticket right now, it is $205. That is more than student tickets for us at Nebraska. I'm on vivid seats though, so not the best. Uh, not not the best website uh, to go to for buying tickets, but uh, yeah, no that that game. I mean that game's probably going to be on, uh, on ESPN or CBS on College Game Day, and get your popcorn ready. Heck, may, they they should just schedule a game for like next weekend. Actually, I don't, I don't want to wait that long for them to play. I mean, I was trying to get Nebraska and Texas to play for Oshan a couple weeks ago. I thought they should just, you know, pick up everything and go play each other real quick. But that would never happen. Um, I was completely joking, by the way. But, uh, you know, that game's going to be great. Um, so we can transition now to some more college football stuff. What were you going to say? So I did want to bring this up real quick because you mentioned, uh, you know, it, where it could possibly be on TV. I don't know if you've seen this, but have you seen that the Big Ten is trying to have new uh, media rights deal? Every like, there's a, I have seen some of this, but like, really, really, everyone is fighting for media rights right now. I know that. Yeah. Like, so Amazon's I, I getting involved. Quick, uh, yeah. Who do you want the Big Ten to be with? Because right now they're with Fox. With Fox and obviously Big Ten Network. And ESPN has some rights to Big Ten. They only get a couple. Like, Nebraska played on maybe one ESPN. Yeah, they play a Michigan couple. was the ESPN game. I think that might have been the only one. Minnesota was, remember, because they kept on. I was at the game. I didn't know that, but oh, that's yeah. true. They, they, they were on ESPN. Okay, so, like, maybe one or two. It used to be most of the Big Ten games were on ESPN. Yeah. Before Fox got bigger. Yeah. But, um, so, I would, CBS, CBS is not that great, in my opinion. Really? Um, You're I, not a big CBS fan? I... I've always liked Fox, um, even though ever since Nebraska has been on Fox, they haven't played that well. But um, ESPN is okay. I always like ABC. I don't know why, but whenever there's that ABC logo, I, I love it. Because, I mean, that's it's basically ESPN, though. It's like ESPN. See, that, that's my... NBC is the worst. I'm just going to go ahead. NBC is the worst. See, so that's my thing with CBS. Whenever I hear, like, the CBS intro and i hear like brad nestler or whoever uh calling the game like i don't know that's just nostalgia for me 
uh, you know, back when I was a little kid. But yeah. I also, like, I don't know. It, it's going to be interesting to see. I've seen, like, rumors that it's going to be a combination of not just Big Ten Network, but, like, multiple networks. Like, they'll do a little bit of ESPN, maybe CBS, and even NBC, too. Really? Yeah. Dang. I, th- I would not be surprised if NBC Wait. Is, the, is the network that gets uh, Big Ten. Well, NBC because got, all they have is Notre Dame right now. But NBC, they lost. I don't know if you knew this, but NBC Sports doesn't exist anymore. Really? They got rid. They're like folding this year. Like they're like this, like the TV station NBC Sports. Oh. So okay. the only their sports department is shrinking so much that all they're gonna have is like Notre Dame, the Olympics, and if you watch the Olympics, their coverage is trash. And uh, Sunday night football. Yeah. So okay. they're literally shrunk down to like a lot smaller package of sports at NBC. So I don't know if they're really going to get that involved in the college football uh, landscape of no media rights. I think it's going to be CBS, Fox, and ESPN doing most of the stuff. Yeah. Um, and I know that like different streaming services are getting involved, like Amazon and stuff, which is going to be interesting. But um, uh, I just know that I don't want to be on e- on NBC ever. So, according to uh, this article that I'm reading right now. Kevin Warren stressed the presence of seven suitors in the negotiations. And it's looking like we'll know around Memorial Day. So here, very, very soon, we're going to know. Uh, here are the um, the networks. CBS, NBC, TNT, Apple, and Amazon, in addition to Fox and ESPN. Talking with them. TNT would be... I'm going to continue with what you're saying. I just want to say something real quick. So, like, if you're listening, any of those stations, if you're listening, um, you have two play-by-play announcers <laughs> right here, play-by-play and color. We're very talented. Um, you know, it'd be, it'd be huge. I sound like Donald Trump now. Yeah. It'd be huge if, you know, landed us for, you know, TNT, one of these hey, up-and-coming we, networks. We graduate um, in uh, December. A, a few months, you know. You know, we could, we, could, we could travel a little bit, get a couple games in. Yeah. Okay, sweet. We're still so, young. Yeah. We're still young. We can move around. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, but honestly, I just want to watch football. It'd be yeah, cool that, to see true. some diversity. Like if we're on TNT and stuff, that'd be cool to see. Yeah. Remember Versus back in the day? Yeah. The last yeah. time we played on Versus was like in 2011, I think. Do you remember? Uh, <laughs> I, I remember time a time when we had to, uh, there was a ga- usually like a game or two a year where we would have to like buy the the Husker game on pay per view. That was the Big Twelve days. You remember that? Oh, I didn't have TV back then. Oh, okay. I, I didn't have cable, so I couldn't do that. Okay. But, um, yeah, I remember that. Like I, I remember, the, I think the last time we ever bought a pay per view game was Nebraska Kansas back when yeah Turner Gill was the coach at Kansas. She should not have been fired, but that's just my opinion. They're so bad. Except when they play Texas. Yeah. <laughs> then they become the Alabama of the Big 12. Yeah. So, this is what we're going to talk about now. The future of college football is going to be interesting to see, not only from what we were talking about with media rights and stuff, but in NIL, we, we've talked about that too, but like where the conferences are going, like how that's going to be structured in the future. And there's been rumors about how a lot of you know commissioners and 80s want to eventually work towards like a mini NFL uh, league where it's yeah. you know only like 40 50 teams max yeah. and like that's going to be like the main like college football league which um i i would hate to see personally just because I, I like tradition of college football yeah. but there are pluses and minuses mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. both ways for teams that would be involved and teams that wouldn't be involved in a future like mini NFL college football. Uh, so I want to talk about some of the, like the pluses and minuses of that potential uh, system of you know what it would that would look like and then you know what what are the bonuses of you know what it looks like today. So I think just looking at the way college football is set up right now, you got like 130 or so teams in the FBS, right? And I would say about half or maybe 70, 80 of the 130 teams basically are playing for nothing every year. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're playing for like a bowl win and maybe your conference, but you're not playing for a championship. Right. If you're the Ohio Bobcats or the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors, you're not playing for anything. Yeah. You're not. And so in a way, it's like I love that, you know, these smaller schools have the opportunity to go to play like a Michigan or an Alabama and those, you know, kind of games at some of like the great locations, you know, North Dakota is playing at Nebraska this year. That may not be a, a future matchup in 50 years. Yeah. Right? right. And so it's cool to see right now, just from a regional standpoint and for like smaller schools to be able to play at bigger schools, but also um, half the teams or more don't play for anything. So like if we were to move toward it, towards a mini NFL, it's kind of good for both sides of college football, the power right. five and the group of five. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I haven't even really thought of that before, honestly, until you brought that up. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a lot like you. I I like tradition in college football. I think it's you know important, and you know, again, the game is changing so much. I I feel like, like especially the last, even just since we've been in college, you know, four years, like just look at how much college football has changed. And, you know, we, we've now seen coaches are not liking it and they're going public with it. And so it, it's going to be interesting to see how, how much different college football is even in five years, you know, like, Oh, it's going to be drastically different than it is right now. Oh yeah. Because there's still very little regulation in all the new rules with NIL and the portal. And so now, like, you know, with conferences and, you know, all this realignment and everything, you know, I think you're right. You know, hopefully it doesn't happen. But, you know, in 20, 30 years, we might not see, you know, I know you said you don't really want to, you're not as excited for the game, but we might not see a Georgia State travel to Nebraska. Or, heck, we might not even see, you know, any teams. You know, what I don't want to see is, I want to see teams like traditional powers or, you know, bigger schools. Like, I love it when Nebraska is playing like a an Oregon. Like, I thought that was awesome. I think that's great. Like, because back in, like, the 80s and 90s, like, those programs, like, they always played each other. Like, they, there was never this, these, like, neutral site games. I, I mean, there was, but there was, like, a couple a year. And now I feel like there's so many. And I just think that kind of ruins what makes college football special. The environment, you know, the fans. Uh, again, I'm going to go back to it. Like, the... Michigan Ohio State game that environment is what make that that is what makes college football special to me at least that's what has you know basically you know taught me everything that I've 
know and love about college football. You know, just the environment. And, you know, I, I think if you run away from, like, what's, you know, been the norm of college football, like, you're going to lose what makes college football so special to so many fans. Mm-hmm. And I don't like that part of it. What you just said made me think about it. Like, when Michigan plays Ohio State, that one game means more to millions of people than any NFL game will mean. Besides, like, the Super Bowl and maybe a playoff game. Like, that game means so much. They don't play twice a year. Exactly. They don't play twice a year. Yeah. You know, Texas, you know, or what I was saying, the Dallas Cowboys play the Giants twice a year. Every year. Right? But the Michigan-Ohio State and Texas OU and Bama, um, LSU, they only play once. Even Each ne- year. Maybe even, twice, but usually once. Yeah. Even Nebraska-Oklahoma, we haven't played them in over 10 years. And, you know, it was like, for years, it's been like, oh, you know, I kind of respect Oklahoma. Like, we used to be rivals with them. That week, all of a sudden, the rivalry was back. Like, I was like, I want Nebraska to just, you know, beat the hell out of them, you know? And I know you were there. You were at the game. And, you know, it... It just it brings you back, and it's like, man, like what what happened? Like we need to play this game more because yeah. it was amazing, and like you could kind of feel like the game just had a different level of importance, a different level of like magnitude, I guess, than like a a regular Husker Saturday game would would have. Dude, I went up to, uh, oh, this is a cool story. I was talking to an old Oklahoma fan. After the game, when yeah. I walked out the stadium, and he played in the 1971 game against Nebraska, really? and I was talking to him about it. That is awesome. Like, he didn't really play, but who I, cares? He was I, there. I forgot about this. I was like, this guy literally, and they're like, there were Nebraska, old Nebraska guys who showed up in their old jerseys. That is cool. Who went to the game. That is cool. And I was like, this is, you could see him because they had like the double stripes. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, this is awesome, right? I also thought it was dope that Nebraska wore the gray face mask. It looks so good. It looks so good. It looks so clean. I don't know why they changed it back. We need to keep, we need to do that every year, like at least once. Yeah. It looks really clean. I, I thought so too. I literally Especially had that thought white, today. With the white uniforms, I thought it looked very slick. It, I think it looked good on either. Yeah, it, it would. It would. I think I was told that they're gonna do that again this year. Maybe not against Oklahoma, but they're gonna bring back the gray face mask again this year. I, I was they, told they were a hit. I thought. Yeah. I, I I didn't. I haven't heard anyone you know say anything differently about it. You want to actually know something? What's that? I may I may not be able to say this because I was told this by the equipment manager. But so when when Frost came to Nebraska, mm-hmm. they had already like planned out the uniforms for the next couple of years. Yeah. So they had already ordered the striped pants from Adidas because we don't, we, we dropped the stripes and right. Frost came. Right. Yeah. But Frost didn't tell the equipment managers that he wanted the stripes taken off until like they had already, until after they'd already ordered the striped pants. So they oh. had like a ton of striped pants coming from Adidas and Frost was like, yo, actually we're dropping the stripes. I don't want them. We're going to go back. Because there's, like, this weird tradition where Nebraska, like, takes the stripes off every, like, couple, like, every, like, two decades or something. I don't know. Because they did it, like, in the late 90s and early 2000s. They didn't have stripes. And then they brought them back. I'm a fan of the stripes. That's just me. I like both, but I like the stripes better, to be honest. I think it looks a little bit better. It looks like, like, that's what Oklahoma and Bama do, and they look good when they have the stripes. And so, that's what I want. But, so, basically, we had to, like... Contact Adidas to be like, hey, actually, we need like the actual like the like the flat pants, like no no stripes. Right. And so 
they literally that's why they brought out the striped pants against OU because they had just been sitting in the like football equipment room for like <laughs> years. I mean, they they practice in the striped pants if you right. notice, but yeah. like. I just thought it was funny that, like, Frost made them order, like, brand new pants yeah. after they had already put in an order of striped pants. I'm not supposed funny. to say that on the podcast, but I don't care because I have no affiliation to Nebraska besides <laughs> that I go to school here, I live here, and that um, we're the damn ball. So, right. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, shoot, we just completely went off the rails there. What were we even talking about? Um, we're talking about the landscape of college football. Yeah, that's right. So... I think there needs to be a governing body. Like there needs to be like a president of college football. It needs to be separate from the NCAA at some point because exactly. the NCAA has lost its control completely. Exactly. But what I think Joel Klatt for commissioner of college football. Yes. <laughs> and but okay, what I think is, you know, the only reason we're in the Big Ten is because we follow the money. We're making twice as much as KU is this year. Oh yeah. Right? And so follow the money, right? So yeah. where where's the money headed? I think we're eventually going to reach a point where it is like a smaller FBS league of like the main teams. It's going to be the teams that make money are going to be in one league and the teams that don't make very much money are going to be in the other league. Yeah. That's what it's eventually going to be, I think. And all I got to say is I hope Nebraska still can play um against teams that may not be able to make a whole lot of money, like a Wyoming or a South Dakota State. It'd be nice to keep those regional games cuz those are fun. You want people from the surrounding areas to be able to come and watch Nebraska play. Like it, that's a fun game for them, yeah. right? And it makes it's better for the sport. So um, that's what I think about it. It's inevitable, but I want to keep the same like traditions we've had. So yeah, I, I agree. Okay, I, I think we're on. Yeah, we're yeah. on the same page. <laughs> so I I think it's inevitable though. We're at some yeah. point, and I even was talking to a Northwestern fan on Twitter about this. I was like, dude, you're like you might get left behind. And he was like, yeah, I know the day might come where like we aren't playing against like the top Big Ten teams anymore. I'm like. Dang, that could happen. But I don't know, like, then, then you think about, like, conference power. Like, the Big Ten doesn't want to, like, ever have its, like, core, like, split up. So it may actually not happen the way we, we, we see it, but. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like, but one, one thing I will say, like, back in, like, the 80s and, like, 70s, 80s, 90s, like, you want to know why Nebraska was one of the premier programs? They were one of the few programs that basically put, like, a lot of their budget into football. You know, most school, all, all schools basically put their budget into, like, one specific program. Like, Duke and North Carolina, basketball. Nebraska, football. Alabama, football. Like, nowadays, you know, I think there was a, a shift, especially after, you know, television, you know, started becoming bigger in sports and whatnot, and the sport just got bigger and more well-known. Now you're seeing the playing field in terms of, like, facilities, amount of money that the programs have. There's still, like, like Nebraska's still a very, you know, they're doing fine financially. I'll, I'll just say that. But, like, it's a little bit more even. And that's, that's another reason why Nebraska is not at as much of an advantage as they used to be. Which is, it's good for the sport. It, it's, it's great for the sport because... Uh, you know, again, like for me, like I want to see more, uh, what's the word, I guess, like more parody or something mm-hmm. like that in, in college football where, you know, it's not like I, I like dynasties, but like, I also like, I love seeing, even though like 
they are always usually pretty good, but I love seeing LSU win the national title. Yes. Like that that was refreshing to me. Like finally, not Clemson or Alabama. Um, you know, so I don't know. And that's another reason I mean we can get into that at some point too, but that's another reason why I wouldn't be opposed to extending uh or expanding the playoffs. But yeah. that's a whole other, you know, that was a good hour podcast. Yeah, that was a good point you made, though, because at one point, like in the 80s, 90s, and the 70s, I mean, there weren't a whole lot of games on TV, but like, if you, that's why players wanted to come play at Nebraska so much, because they knew they'd be on TV. If oh, you yeah. went and played at like, I don't know. Nebraska you, and Oklahoma, that, those yes, were the Midwest teams. Yes, like, you wanted to go play at a team that had those television yep. connections like the, there weren't as many opportunities to play on TV back then, and Nebraska was gonna get as many as they could as they could. And teams like I don't know Utah or Washington State yep. or even like a Wake Forest, those like Colorado. They unless Colorado was playing Nebraska, they weren't really getting on TV as much. So like right. those schools, you know, they weren't getting the top like top players that they can get now as much. So yeah, and also I mean another thing before I. I'm getting a little off topic. Which is fine. We've gone completely off topic, but it's great. <laughs> Another thing yeah. is Nebraska was also like the first program to introduce strength and conditioning. That also helped them out a lot because, you know, no one really thought about, you know, hey, we should get these players in shape. We should have like this program. And that's how Husker Power was created. No, like that's literally like when we went and played LSU and Bama in the, our, few, our first two national championship games. Yeah. We won those games because of the strength and conditioning oh, program. Yeah. Like our players were just better yep. because of it. My so my cousin married one of the guys who uh, helped start all that. Okay. Because so Boyd Epley was the name of the guy who ran the strength and conditioning at Nebraska back then, right? He he was like the nutrition or yes yes yeah. I, I was thinking about uh, uh, Dale Ellis who's back. With the UNL, but yeah. yes, uh, Boyd Epley. Yes. I think Boyd Epley started it. Yes, and you so are correct. my cousin, my like my dad's, one of my dad's cousins, uh, she married the guy who ran a fitness club in Lincoln, and he was like, yeah, and so he wasn't necessarily like very, like, he wasn't like that influential, yeah. but like the community in Lincoln that was like starting like all this weightlifting stuff, he was yeah. like involved in, so like. There'd be players who would like work out at my cousin's gym. That's awesome. Which is cool, like back in like the seventies. I got a quick, cool little story. So I've actually I've met Boyd uh, Epley when I uh, toured here. Uh, this was right after Frost got hired because I know, uh, I know the strength. I I, I have some uh, connections uh, with the uh, strength and conditioning program, and I was able to get. I was fortunate enough to get a tour, and uh, my dad was actually uh, able to get a one of the original like Husker Power plates, like a forty-five pound uh, plate, uh, and we have it in our garage. That's I, cool. I'll, I'll, I'll send you a picture of it. It's oh, you sweet. should. It, it's red. It, it's so cool. It's so sweet. But yeah, Boy, Boyd's a cool dude. Is he, is he still working with Nebraska like to this day? Uh, I don't think so. He he's around the program though, kind of like you know, like a Tom Osborne. Like he's still like yeah around the program. Definitely still, I'm sure offers his input. But yeah, pretty cool that Nebraska. Like even though, like 
say what you want about Nebraska, but you cannot tell the story of college football without Nebraska. Well, they changed how like they a lot of things are done. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, we talked. We talked about a lot of different stuff. Yeah, there. I didn't even have. plan on that. That's interesting. <laughs> um. But I guess before we move on, I'm gonna give a shout out to, uh, No Block No Rock, Run the Damn Ball is now partnered with. NBNR Media out of Omaha, Nebraska. NBNR stands for No Black, No Rock, which is also their podcast. Gotta go check them out. They're run by Mike Delaware, Kyle Byers, and Jared Hall. They all do a great job. And they got quite a few players who jump on their podcast. At least uh, they recently had Mike Mowdy on there, if you remember the alignment. Yeah. So, um, yeah, go check them out on nbnrmedia.com. So, have you seen the latest transfer portal stuff from just college football? So, Jordan Addison. Yeah, that's that's a big story because Jordan Addison, excuse me, uh, he won the Belitnikoff Award, which is best receiver in the nation, which is kind of insane because there were some freaky receivers this year, and the fact that uh, he was the best, you know, product of uh, the Mark Whipple offense. <laughs> Hopefully, we can get a Belitnikoff Award winner. That'd be nice. Uh, but anyway, yeah, that was. This is a big deal, and uh, it really started at the beginning of May because there were rumblings that Addison was about to leave and go to USC, and that uh, Lincoln Riley had been contacting him while he was still at Pitt, which would be illegal. That'd be tampering, and you can't do that. And so there was, you know, a lot of rumors, and Addison was like, oh, you know, I I haven't decided yet, Uh, you know. If I'm entering the portal, he ended up obviously entering the portal, visited a few schools, visited Texas, visited USC, and ultimately chose the uh, Trojans over Texas. And I think he also visited Alabama, too. I'm not mis- mistaken. Uh, but I saw that you put in the notes, Texas takes another L in the transfer portal. Yeah. Which I thought was funny. Uh, always good to give see Texas get handed another L. But, uh, yeah, this, this is, a, I think, a big storyline because USC is a program that, honestly, they have no excuse. They, they should always be good in football. I mean, look at where they're at. They are in the hottest recruiting bed in the country, and they have tradition. They usually have good players, like, all they need is a decent coach. Luckily, I think Lincoln Riley, while I think he's a little overrated, he is definitely at least a decent coach. He's a good coach. I, I just don't know if he's like an elite, you know, top three coach. In college he's football. not. I mean, he has looked very unlikable over the last year. Oh, yeah. No, I, I do not like anything about. But then again, like, especially nowadays, I feel like it's so hard to leave your job. Like, and like be looked at as like oh like he left that job with dignity and like he left that job the right way i guess unless unless, like you're leaving like a oh like a a small you know f fbs school like uh billy napier when he left lafayette to florida it was like okay yeah like you you got you got to take the florida job like come on but like brian kelly leaving notre dame for lsu was not a good look I thought, you know, the fan base was hurt there. I do think I, – I felt bad for the fans, but also I think Oklahoma fans need to let go. For, of, they have. Of Lincoln Riley. I think they have, but I still see some stuff every once in a while from them. 
But, yeah, it, it wasn't a great look from Lincoln Riley. Because if you remember, he was – it was right after Bedlam. Like, like the he, week after, like the Monday after. It was It was a day after he denied having interest in the LSU job. And then he took the he went out and took the USC job. That was such a crazy week. It was it was insane because it, it seemed like for weeks like it was kind of like a done deal that he was going to go to LSU, and that like everyone was like, is that really a better job than Oklahoma? I think Oklahoma's a top five job, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's it's going to be interesting because I think USC is. Uh, they're going to be competitive because the Pac-12, luckily for them, is not very good, not very strong. They have Utah, and I think Oregon will still be decent even yeah. with a new coach. They're going to be competitive at least. So I think USC is going to be competitive, especially offensively. Like You know they'll be good on offense. Defense is still a question mark for them, but obviously – I mean, he won the Belitnikoff Award. Like, he, he's going to be a draft pick, most likely. And Lincoln Riley, he can he can coach offense. He can coach receivers. Yeah, he can. So, it, good for him, I guess. Made a lot of money on NIL, apparently. Wonder if Nick Saban's going to go off on him for that. That'd yeah. be funny. That, that'd be a coach where I could be like, okay, I'm glad Saban. I would have rather had Saban go after Lincoln, Lincoln Riley. Riley than Jimbo. Exactly. That would have been funny. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, you pretty much summarized it pretty good there. Um, that's that's a big you know, transfer move we've seen just it in is. college football lately. And, uh, I mean, it was rumored for a while, and then he finally went to USC. But Nebraska recently picked up one guy, like, last week. So, safety who played one year at Bama. I mean, he redshirted at Bama. Uh, f- former four-star Kane Williams, um, big safety. Probably could play nickel, too, if he wanted to. So, he's coming to Nebraska now. Uh, defense just like got even better than it was for us. So I'm happy about that. Uh, And then there's some other guys on the radar for Nebraska, like three guys I can name right now, but I kind of feel like, I I don't know we could mention them, but like they may never come here. So I don't want to like get into it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a whole lot of speculation for sure. Um, I mean, we can mention them. Like one is Alabama senior defensive tackle to step on win. I think that's, he's worth mentioning because he'd be huge for our D line if we got him. He visited last week. Yeah. He visited last week. So, um, that's that's the only one that like is like really been out there on Twitter. Other than that, I don't know. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's exciting. I think there there's never a dull moment now in college football. There's not really an off season now. I feel like mm-hmm. yeah, there really, it's like, just like, like where where there's like you don't get a break. Yeah, that that's what I mean. There's no breaks. There, there is an off season, obviously, but uh, there's always like new news out there. Especially, you know, with the portal. And so, yeah, another DB that could, uh, you know, make a difference for Nebraska. I don't know if he's eligible to play this year. I thought I saw that. Because I'm pretty sure there's, like, a day, and I think it had already well, passed. Like, it, unless you graduate, you cannot play. Wait, wait, okay. okay. I, you're, I don't no, know. You're, you're actually right on that. So, what the rule is – so, I'll give you an example. I've heard a rumor. Now, it's a rumor, so don't. It's okay. but it's an example. Like Marquis Step is supposedly trying to graduate. The running back, uh, he's supposedly trying to graduate uh, by the end of the summer, so that he can grad transfer somewhere else and okay. play immediately, right? Yeah. And so, um, 
that's something that I've heard. Now, there's other players who could be doing the same thing. Oh, yeah. Someone a lot of players of. do that. Like, they, they'll they stay enrolled into uh, universities, too, uh, so then they can still be on scholarship. Yeah, so he's trying to graduate this summer so that he can transfer. I've heard that because he's not going to play this year, dude. With yeah. the running backs we have, he, and he's always injured. Like, he's he has potential, but I don't think he's really going to play that year, play this year. Yeah. But uh, on top of that, I think – so Kane Williams, as long as he got his name in the portal by May first, yeah, yeah, then he can play. Okay. So I and I think he did. So he he may just need a red shirt, and well, he already redshirted at Bama. Who who knows, honestly? But we'll see. Well, with COVID, the COVID year that you can use now, it, it kind of messes up everything in terms of like eligibility and and whatnot. But. That's true. So, uh, yeah, I think that's everything. Um, just a whole lot of college football today. This has been Daniel Magnuson with Sam Alessandro. Run the damn ball.